Hello, welcome to Us Wargamer. I'm your host, Rob. And today, me and the Twitch chat and you, dear listener on YouTube, are going to go through the Battle Scroll update. What is a Battle Scroll update? Age of Sigmar gets balance updates every three months, and these are called Battle Scrolls. You can find them on warhammercommunity.com, where you can find all the information. Here you can see the Battle Up Scroll update for July 2023, referencing Andor. Now, this isn't the only FAQ or updates that we're going to see for this GHB. We still need the GHB to have many of its rules looked at and FAQ'd, specifically things like primal dice. However, this is covering some new rules which will also enter the competitive season, and there's loads of rules to go through. We have some core changes, like unit coherency and lookout, sir. We have some faction rule changes, as you can see here, for Grand Alliance Order, Destruction, and then we have a load of point changes. And we're going to go through all of these elements in this video along with the Twitch chat. If you do have any thoughts about these, I'd love you to leave them in the comments below. And with that said, let's get on with looking how Games Workshop have decided to affect the meta in competitive Age of Sigmar for the next three months. The first change we're going to talk about is unit coherency, and this is actually kind of a halfway house. This is a great change, but not the best change. What am I talking about? So unit coherency, you normally had to be within, if you were over five models in a unit, your models had to be within two inches, oh sorry, an inch of another two models in that unit. So units up to five were fine, but any units over five, so six or more, you had to have one model within an inch of two other models. This meant that units had to be fairly clumped up, which meant that you got quite uh, rank and file looking units. But for units that had lots of, uh, not as many models, like a unit of let's say 20, but instead were units of three that were reinforced up to units of six, this posed a massive problem for not being able to tack in two ranks. They had to have a very specific shape and weren't able to do a lot of attacks from the back ranks of those models, especially if they didn't have two-inch range weapons. A good example would be Kurnoth Hunters with swords versus Kurnoth Hunters with scythes. As soon as you reinforce them from a unit of three to a unit of six, then they weren't able to attack from the second rank or not quite as well. Um, and there's loads of models that this is going to affect. Gluttons, for example, uh, were affected by this. Loads of different uh, units. Um, and if you've got any that is going to be affected by this, please do let me know. This change is a good one, but not the best one. What this has said now is that unit coherency, instead of just going up to five, will now go up to units between two and six. So if you've got units of six or less, uh, or six or less models, you're just going to be able to attack with, put them in any shape you really want them and can attack, as long as there's one model within one inch of another model. Super easy, super nice. However, if you've got seven or more models, you're back to needing one of your models to be within an inch of two other models. The thing that I have, or the, the thing that I'm not a huge fan of, is that I would have liked to have seen this be 11 models plus. This meant uh, infantry units, especially 10-person infantry units, could have strung out in a big skirmish line, which I think would have been very cool. Uh, and then that's... So it's not as good as I would have liked. I would have preferred it to be... Uh, 11 plus but it's 6 plus um, and well sorry 7 plus and this is actually a great change like legitimately a great change this is going to affect lots of different units not as many units as I would like but there's going to give a new lease of life to a whole bunch of units that didn't get as many attacks as it did previously even just being able to string those units out and have more board presence is also quite nice as well uh, so a great change all over but not the best change 
that's the first change they did. The next rule that's changed is Lookout Sir, and this is a significant change and is going to be very impactful in the game, especially with this GHB being heavily focused towards wizards. Let's talk about what the rule what the rule is and how it's changed. What the rule used to do is it let wiz it let units that were within range of a battle line unit be minus one to hit against missile attacks, and it's changed significantly now. What it is, is you must subtract one from the hit roll for an attack made with a missile weapon if that target is an enemy hero within three inches of an enemy unit that has three or more models. So if your hero is within three inches of one of your friendly units that's got three or more models, it's minus one to be shot at. Now, you only get this rule if your, your hero is uh, a hero with a wounds characteristic of ten or less. Uh, sorry, nine or less nine or less 10 or more it won't apply but nine or less it will apply okay so most of your generic heroes are minus one to be shot at and don't forget this will also apply to a neat unique units as well so even someone like scragrot who is less than nine wounds um if he's within range three inches of a friendly unit with three or more models minus one to be shot but it gets crazier because this is a massive change. If that hero does not have a mount, so if you've got a mounted unit, let's say uh, a Liege Kavalos is a good example of a mounted unit. Um, I'm not sure how many wounds a Lord or a Karkadrak is, but any of those units that are mounted and below um, 10 wounds, so nine wounds or less, they still are minus one to be shot. However, as other units that aren't mounted uh, cannot be targeted with missile weapon attacks from a model that is outside of 12 inches. So outside of 12 inches. So as long as your unit isn't mounted and you're outside of 12 inches uh, and the enemy is outside of 12 inches, they can't shoot your unit as long as it's within three inches of a friendly unit with three or more models. That is a massive, massive change. Like absolutely ludicrous change. Because this edition obviously is also about wizards casting loads of spells, using all their primal dice. This is going to be really impactful. Maybe it's because we've seen more shooting. Maybe what Games Workshop want to do is make the efficacy or the effectiveness of shooting much lower. So they're making it so that you have to get much closer to shoot some of those uh, support pieces. Most Age of Sigmar characters are support pieces. There's very few like duelist characters like we would see in Sigvald or the Light of Altharion. So maybe this is their way of trying to address the fact that a lot of shooting now is going to shoot at those characters again because for the last six months you haven't been able to shoot those characters. So this is interesting. I'm interested in what everyone else thinks about this one because this is going to have a very big change for some armies. Um, so yeah, really, really interesting. Uh, but if you're mounted, not as good. Uh, so there we go. Huge change. A good thing that we should add in here is that obviously the lookout search change affects missile weapons so you still will be able to target those characters and those heroes at the back of the board or that's further away from you with ranged uh, attacks uh, like you would see from spells uh, but it just won't be missile weapons that specifically so abilities spells endless spells will all be able to affect those heroes at range it's a good point worth pointing out that the chat brought up great work the next change is to the arcane tome this is an enhancement or an artifact that you can take on one of your heroes normally you can only take one artifact in an army unless you take a battalion or you have some faction or some special rules that let you take more artifacts arcane tome is a generic one you find in the core rules and it normally lets someone become a wizard that's what it used to do and since then it's had multiple faqs 
it has arguably been a game-changing and game-winning tournament-winning artifact that has existed now since Age of Sigmar 3 launched. And instead of just doing away with this artifact, it's gone through multiple uh, renditions and FAQs. And its latest is now available to us. This is the Universal Artifact, the Arcane Tome, so a book. Someone at Games Workshop is obsessed with becoming a wizard. Maybe they want to become a Harry Potter. We're not sure. Anyway, a hero that does not have a wizard, priest, or corn keyword becomes a wizard. So corn units can't take it, priestly units can't take it, and wizard units can't take the book. That wizard can only cast Arcane Bolt Spell, Mystic Shield, and spells to summon Endless Spells on your army roster. When you cast Endless Spells, the way you do that is through casting a spell. And that spell summons the Endless Spell. So if you do have something that adds pluses to your casting roll or extends the spell range, then that will also affect uh, Endless Spells. But it's kind of a side note. So importantly, that wizard can only cast Arcane Bolt, Mystic Shield, and summon Endless Spells. They can attempt to cast one spell on your hero phase and attempt to unbind one spell on the enemy hero phase. Now, the Arcane Tome is a great artifact because Mystic Shield is the best spell in the game. It's a little bit army-dependent as a statement, but it's important to note that plus one save is massive when you consider the math on rend and how it affects unit survivability. Being able to add a static plus one save to a unit in addition to things like cover and also all out defense is a massive boon to your elite units. And so having this artifact to do, have, do a mystic shield kind of scroll caddy is a good shout, honestly. Uh, there's also a designer's note here, and when using pitch battle profiles in 2023-24, so our GHB that's going to last until next summer, um, if a hero with a wounds characteristic of 9 or less uh, is given the Arcane Tome, they become an Andorian Locus. Uh, however, even though they're an Andorian Locus, they won't be able to cast any of the spells from the Law of Hoarfrost, which is the spell that you get in the G spell uh, law that you get in the GHB this year, and instead is only able to cast Arcane Bolt, Mystic Shield, and summon endless spells so a little bit of a restrictive change it will still make it into lists and ultimately it's super cute in a fantasy game to be able to give a little character a little book say they're a wizard just dress up like hagrid i look a little bit like hagrid today you know walk up you know <laughs> light some candles on a stormy night walk up to your character tap them on the on the little tiny character head and be like you're a wizard uh, and you'll feel happier they'll feel happier so uh, there we go. So next we have a bunch of different changes for the different armies and special rules that affect those armies. The first one we're going to look at is Blades of Corn, and they've changed the first ability you're able to use on the Blood Tithe table called Murderlust. Previously, for one uh, Blood Tithe point, you were able to move three units in the hero phase. Now you can only move one for that single blood tithe point. However, if you want to, you can spend additional blood tithe to move up to three. So you can still move three units. It's just going to cost you three times as much blood tithe, but you can still spend that one blood tithe point to move one unit D6 inches uh, in the hero phase. Now this is actually a massive, massive change, but because it was probably way too strong beforehand, and I think a lot of Blades of Corn players would agree, but it's also not an outrageously like negative change. It still makes the army function how it works, which is weirdly a movement tech army, 
which is exactly what I think of when I think of corn. Um, but they have been able to make it so that they haven't neutered that ability immediately and instead have just added a nice little tax onto it. So I'm massively uh, into this change. I think it's really well done. It's really well. It's really elegant. I think corn players won't be unhappy because I think all corn players knew that it was a bit too much because you could use this to move into combat with a unit in the hero phase, which would shut down their charges. It would shut down. Uh, it would make it so that you could avoid uh, the standard shoot abilities. So this is, I think, this is a really fair and healthy change, and I think everyone's going to be happy about it. But it's not over the top. So. That's really excellent, and I think they should be chuffed with that. So that's great. Good change. The next change is to the Soulblight Gravelords and to the special rule that they have Endless Legions. And this happens at the end of each movement phase. So the Soulblight Gravelord player and the other person's uh, here, um, movement phase at the end. What you get to do is you get to roll a dice for a slain Soulblight Gravelords unit. And on a 4+, plus, you get to bring that unit back. Now, if it's the Soulblight Gravelord's player's turn, it's outside of 3 inches of the enemy, but they can't charge or attempt to charge. Um, now, it used to be in the opponent's turn, so not the Soulblight Gravelord's player's turn, that it also could be outside of 3 inches. However, now it's been outside of 9 inches. And this is, in my opinion, a great quality of life change. Very much like we saw with Murderlust. We had two unintended consequences where there was some massive um, like game, game effects that made it so that your opponent in their turn wouldn't be able to move units and wouldn't be able to charge units where they previously thought they could uh, because of a dice roll, um, uh, like something like Murderlust. But in this case, it's bringing a unit back. So what people would do is they would bring a unit back and they would screen a unit out. You still do get something from this. There's some Soul Black Brave Lord players in the chat. They're not overly happy about this. Um, so it'd be interesting to know what everyone else who plays Soul Black Brave Lords thinks. But in my opinion, this is just a nice quality of life change. Most summoning in the game requires you to be outside of nine inches. Um, recursion that normally happens also in the game, like you see with Gits, you have to be around the Loon Shrine, which could be smashed to rubble, so it might not work at all. So this feels like a nice change. You now have to be outside of nine inches. And if I was a Soulblight Gravelords player, I'd be super happy that they haven't changed how the hunger works on things like Vampire Lords and Zombie Dragons, where they get a lot of healing into very combat heavy units so um, initially i feel that this is just a great quality of life change for everyone else playing the game uh, and it feels like it's really good so big fan of that the next change is another quality of life change to the soul black grave lords book and this is to zombies zombies previously every time you killed one uh, you could roll a dice from modeling that unit and on a five plus you could do a mortal wound it now requires that the model that you remove needs to be within three inches of the unit that you're trying to apply a mortal wound to instead of the whole unit this is a great quality of life change and to quote someone in the chat specifically uh salzeth says how does lightning explode talking about stormcast eternals only one inch and only on sixes while this is three inches and happens on fives so stormcast eternals is an older book um ocr bone reapers came out more recently and their crematoriums rule where they have exploding fire skeletons happens on a five as with and is within three inches as well so this is a really nice quality of life change that brings it in line with modern books but it would have been nice to have also seen Stormcast Eternals get the same thing. Because lightning exploding probably should be fives. And probably should be within three inches as well. Which is a bit of a shame. But this is good. This is also going to reduce how effective zombies are. Which is a positive. So great, great, great work again from Games Workshop. The next change is frankly great. It's to Lumeth Realm Lords. And it's to the sub-faction, the Great Nation of Helon. 
Previously, what this would do is if you got a missile unit within six inches of an enemy unit, they would get to add plus one to the attacks of their missile weapons. Um, and they could shoot at anyone that they wanted. Uh, in this case, uh, they've changed it so that you add one to hit and wound roll to that unit's missile weapons. And that unit can only target enemy units within six inches of it. This is just another great change because it was frankly already a stupid thing that they'd left in the game and i don't know how it's taken us nine twelve months to get to this change it should have been immediate this should have been an immediate change and while i'm really positive on many of these changes uh, i feel like these are so i mean that took moments to write you could have included this much earlier in the season and made it so that so what is frankly an oppressive amount of shooting at range uh, would have been nerfed quite drastically and would have been really healthy because then what would have happened is you wouldn't have had only techless shooting castles and then the Lumeth Realm Lords players would have had the opportunity to diversify their lists and we would have had more experience playing different lists. So this is a good change. Now we start that process, but we start that process with only a year left on the edition. I would have liked to have seen that coming earlier, but it's good it's changed. Great work. Good change. The next change is to the Uruk Warclans, the combined book uh, between Iron Jaws, Cruel Boys, and also sometimes and almost never Bone Splitters. Don't forget, you can also take a uh, Allegiance where you take all of those different models in Big War. Now, what they've done is they've added two battle tactics to the Uruk Warclans book. These are new battle tactics and they are very easy to achieve. The first one is called Sneak Up, and you complete the tactic if at the end of the turn. Every friendly crewboys unit is within three inches of any terrain feature and is more than three inches from all enemy units. So get all your crewboys, stand around a terrain feature, don't fight the enemy, two free victory points. So this is just three points. Crewboys are not doing well in the game, and so now they're getting two free points. Uh, feels like their way of trying super hard to just affect change without dropping points, adding more rules that we've seen previously. Last Battle Scroll update, we got even more different dirty tricks. So their new dirty trick is just two free victory points uh, immediately. Uh, now to Uruk Warclans, they've added another one called That's Our Turf now. And you complete this tactic if, at the end of the turn, two or more friendly Iron George units are within three inches of the center of the battlefield. This is again what we would call an autocomplete. So just get straight near the middle of the battlefield. Iron Jaws have a very, very fast army thanks to uh, the uh, the commandability um, to just move in the hero phase, which means they're just going to end up in the center super easily. So uh, that's going to be real easy to do. So sneak up and that's our turf. Super easy. Basically two free points for those two factions, hoping to help them out in this GHB. In what is an incredibly good change, based on the performance of the Twitch chat telling me all of their horror stories with what they've done with this Gloom Spike Gits ability, the ability on the Squig Herd unit, Squig's Gone Wild. I'm just going to leave a moment in this review to think about the company naming an ability Squig's Gone Wild. Okay. What's this, what this has done is it's changed the ability so that each time a squig model in the unit runs as the cause of battle shock, you used to be able to do a mortal wound to an enemy unit within 9 inches on a 2+. They've now changed it so that the model when the model runs away, it must be the closest enemy unit in 9 inches, so the closest enemy unit, which it previously didn't used to be, so you could snipe characters behind the enemy lines as an example 
and they've changed it from a 2 plus to a 3 plus. So it's not as effective and you must also hit the unit that's in front of you or closest to you now. So you won't be able to do as much damage uh, to the key units in an enemy army, which feels like a massive positive. So I think overall, a great quality of life change, especially, it has, especially as it had unintended consequences previously or squigger cons no, consequences concert squigs in no that's no for sons of behemoth they changed the bonuses that you get for the core battalion bosses of the stomp that you can find inside the sons of behemoth book and instead of getting unified and swift uh, unified or swift um for taking boss of the stomp you now get unified and swift so hopefully using the core battalion that you can find in sons of behemoth you might be able to get a little bit more of a bonus for your army Ultimately, Sons of Behemoth are a great army for standing on objectives. And a lot of the battle plans in this season are all about standing on objectives. So I think Sons of Behemoth might be pretty good this season. Especially because last season, a lot of people, including myself, thought that they wouldn't perform overly well in that GHB because it wasn't really geared towards them. However, they were still able to get the highest positive win rate potential, so the PWP, which means that they had the most, they were the faction most likely to go 3-2 or better at a five-round event. So Sons of Bahamut are still a great army and being having a very small little change maybe will make them a little bit better, but they'll still be able to do really well in games. They also changed the other battalion, Footslogger's Core Battalion, but neither of these two battalion changes will make the army any more interesting to play with or against. Before we can look at the points changes and the FAQ for each different army, we have to look at the FAQ, which affect the core rules of the game. So there's going to be FAQs for the GHB, which we'll include in a GHB review video. So that, that's why we haven't done it yet. But the points and the rules for each individual army will go through in this video. Before that, core rules, because that's important. And let's talk about them now. The first core rule change that we've seen is they've talked about how units are measuring visibility. And what they're really referencing here is how you use solar flare from techlist and other spells in the game. So it's worth having a little read to see if that affects how you would use your spells. Don't forget when you read a spell, it will normally say, and a visible unit. This is definitely going to apply there, so please do look at it. The next one is talking about simultaneous effects and units that change, sorry, and abilities that change characteristics. So we're going to talk about this now. What happens if the effects of two rules or abilities set a characteristic to a fixed value? The example that they give is that a Cairn Wraith has an attack characteristic of six uh, set by the Eager Death Dealer's ability. But the Crown of Dark Secrets, which is a Sinesh artifact, which we've seen loads in competitive play, sets a char attack characteristic to units in range down to one. How would this be resolved? Well, the effects will be simultaneous. This means whoever gets to go, uh, whoever's turn it is, will take the precedent. So that means that I would run in and I would say, I've got six attacks and I would go first because it's a simultaneous effect. However, they would then say, okay, that means my effect applies next and you are down to one attack. So in the Nighthaunt player's turn, you would have one attack. When you flip that around, in the Sinesh player's turn, they would apply my characteristic down to one first and then I would make my Nighthaunt character have six attacks. Now, I know what you're thinking. That seems incredibly weird that the debuff works in my opponent's turn and the buff works in my opponent's turn. That's super random the way it works. But because they've kind of argued themselves into a backward step here with simultaneous effects, they have a process for how uh, effects that happen at the same time work. 
but they don't really want to redress that or look at that. And instead, they'd rather these situations end up being a bit weird versus doing something more complex because it's already complex enough, I agree, because I hope that makes sense to everyone listening because it's taken us a while to work out. The next change or the FAQ and clarity they've put out is on the attack sequence. And this has been changed significantly, but only in kind of fringe cases, which are more and more common in Age of Sigma. What am I talking about? We're talking about units that fight, kill units, and then fight on death. Or they have an ability that applies damage. A good example would be um, units that, yeah, a unit that has death frenzy cast on it in Skaven. If you kill it, it gets to fight and hit you back um, once you uh, once you kill the model. So now what they've done is they've clarified this because there is an unending chain that's possible to create. And we'll talk about this as it goes. What happens is. When resolving these abilities, first resolve all attacks made by the unit picked to fight. So let's pick two units. One unit's got fight on death, and we're going to attack that unit. Okay? We resolve all of our attacks with our unit, attacking the unit with fight on death. Before removing any slain models, all models in that unit that can fight before being removed from play can make a piling move. So let's say I've killed 10 models, they all make a piling move, and then they are going to attack. That's how it works. After resolving attacks from all models that can fight before being removed from play, you remove all slain models. So I would go in, do all my attacks. Then they would say, oh, 10 of my models have died. I'm going to pile in. I'm going to attack with those. They'll remove, And then I'll remove my models. They'll remove their models. Sorted. Now, this is normally fine, right? However, this is a problem if both units have fight on death. What happens then? Well, <laughs> what if you, both units have fight on death but they also explode like zombies do and also or stormcast explode as well and then what happens if there's other stuff around that triggers it used to be you could potentially get into an unending cycle of things exploding fighting on death exploding fighting on death it was a nightmare this has been clarified now and this does reduce the effectiveness of some fight on death units but only really when they're attacking other fight on death units what happens is <coughs> unit A fights resolving the attack sequence for all their attacks that target unit B. Before removing any slain models, so just like the first example, some models from unit B pile in and attack. Sorted. So they've got their one fight on death activation. Before removing any models slain from attacks made in step two, some models from unit A pile in and attack. So I've obviously fought on death with the first unit, then they've killed the first attacking unit, now they get to do their fight on death, and then you stop. Because you would have killed more models as well, but you don't get to just keep that sequence going. So you basically get one step of fight on death per unit, and then you're over. Uh, which I kind of wish reading this rule was too. I wish this was over, but we're not even begun. Uh, but that's how that works. That's the first bit to talk about. Easy peasy. Uh, good. Hope that helps. The next rule change or clarity comes in the form of ward saves. Ward saves are what you make after armor saves. In this, they've clarified what happens is if you, um, with a bodyguard unit or a unit that allows you to pass off wounds onto another unit. A good example would be a necromancer. A necromancer gets to roll a dice on a four plus and pass a wound onto another summonable unit. Okay, all right. Now, does that summonable unit, Rob, get a ward save? Now, this has been cleared up, okay? So if a player makes a successful dice roll to negate a wound or a mortal wound, and this triggers an effect that forces a wound or mortal wound to be allocated to a different unit. So in the Necromancer's case, 
this would be what happens. You've rolled a dice to make the wounds go onto another unit. Can an attempt be made to negate that additional wound or mortal wound if an effect would allow a player to do so? And the answer is no. So when you pass off a wound or bodyguard a wound over to another unit, uh, so if you roll a dice to pass a wound over to another unit, then that wound cannot be negated with a ward save or anything else like that. Okay, now now there's going to be a lot of conversations around this from like the very techie people, but a good example would be, and shout out to Charlie for bringing this up to me, uh, is if we go onto Wirepedia and if we look at an Auric Runefather. An Auric Runefather has got an ability that does this as well. On a 3+, that wound or mortal wound will be allocated to this unit's retinue. So it would fall under the same circumstances as we had previously. Okay, fine. Absolutely normal. However, the Runefather's got an additional bit on his rule that says, if the retinue has a ward save, you can make a ward roll before allocating that wound or mortal wound to it. Now, what this means is that this war scroll overrides core rules. That's how you're able to run and charge or roll 3d6 for a charge. Core, uh, battle scroll rules, uh, sorry, war scroll rules, override core rules. And the thing that we're currently talking about is a core rule. So unless your, uh, the ability that you have on your units to pass uh, wounds off onto another unit have this uh, addition that you can make ward saves, you can't make ward saves. I hope that's super clear. So unless, so when you roll a dice to pass a wound off to another unit, unless that unit has the ability that says you can also make ward saves, you can't make ward saves. I know that that might not, that's going to be coming really helpful for things like Seraphon, uh, Soulblade Gravelords and a load of other armies that have it. So hopefully uh, this is clear, but I'm open to the conversation that this might not be perfect in its way of describing stuff. So I hope that explanation made sense. I hope this is all making sense. The next one is a really simple bit of clarity, but it's also really healthy to talk about. This talks about terrain control. So terrain pieces that you would have on the tabletop. Just to remind everyone, when you, you control the terrain feature the same as you control an objective. It's the number of models within range, but it has to be the number of models within three inches as opposed to six inches. Where this usually became a bit of a problem was when you involved garrisons or defensible, defensible terrain features. This has been changed now. Previously, if you did desecrate lands, I want you to know, and you weren't inside the garrison, you were cheating and you should not have been able to score those points. You desecrate by being in a garrison, not previously so that doesn't really matter for now now you control a terrain feature even if it's a garrison by being within three inches of it you don't need to be in a garrison to do it however you can also garrison and add to the so if i have a unit that's in a garrison and a unit that's within three inches of the garrison all of them will count towards control of that garrison this will help with the battle plan in this ghb called towers in the tundra which requires you to go and control a garrison. Just to let you know, if you shorten down towers in the tundra, it's T-I-T. And that's hilarious, in my opinion. We're talking about, there you go, that's that change. So those are all the changes in the core rules. However, there are also changes to the General's Handbook. Now, we're going to be going through those changes in the General's Handbook in the GHB video. I've been waiting for this to come out so I can make my GHB video so all the information in that General's Handbook uh, makes sense. Because there is a lot of things that change here. Um, talking about how the Law of Primal Frost, Hoarfrost works, is interesting. Uh, describing uh, that um, the Primal Dice 
are in fact modified dice and this is going to be uh, important when we discuss how it interacts with certain units in the game so we'll talk about all that or we'll talk about all of that in our ghb video coming soon okay so next excitingly points changes so points changes for all of the units in the game and oh my goodness uh, there aren't many for Doors of Cain, but <laughs> there might be some big impactful ones, so we'll talk about it. Uh, so, Sister Slot down 10 points. I'm not going to read through them all. The Avatars of Cain down 20 points is kind of fun. You can play lots of Avatars of Cain in a list. Is it good? No. Is it fun? Yes. Is it even cheaper now? Even better. And you're saving 20 points each time you do it, which is cool. Which Elves and Sister Slaughter did go down 10 points as well. And with the Hoarfrost spell, there's the potential that you're going to uh, cast out on those and give them a load of Ren, which is kind of fun, especially because you can get them up to damage too. So there's a potential. But if you didn't already own Witch Elves and Sisters of Slaughter, you're probably not going out and buying 30 of each because that's a lot to do. Um, Doomfire Warlocks are 10 points cheap, but they're a nice, fun support piece. They're very cheap, but like there's not much to say about them. Um, Canine Shadowstalkers are a legit good unit because they've got a teleport. They're 20 points cheaper at 160. That was quite a lot. Down to 140. That's good. Um, but there's nothing in here that I think changes what was their traditional archetype of Marathi and the Bow Snakes. So they're probably just going to stay as they were. Next, we're going to look at the Kaharadron Overlords. Uh, wow. Okay. So some big point changes here. Arcanaut Company got him down 10 points. Uh, but the important part is Grunstruck Thunderers going up 25 points. We used to see lists running two units of 15 Gunstruck Thunderers. That means that they've gone up, those lists themselves have gone up 150 points just via this. 25 points is quite an aggressive points hike on this unit. The Chemist also went up 20 points as well, which means we also saw those in those lists as well. So now we've got a 170 point increase on a traditional list, uh, making it almost a 10% change, which is pretty aggressive. Um, for this army especially when we carry over into an edition where magic is fairly important it's been faq'd that the boat uh that having a spell in a bottle is going to count to not letting you take nullstone artifacts so if you do have a spell in a bottle you won't be able to take the nullstone artifacts so that's going to be impactful as well and also the change to lookout sir so you have to be within 12 inches to shoot characters is also going to mean that they might not be as effective. So they were very good in the last GHB. They had some very good win rates, but uh, there's been some big points changes. And there's loads of units that didn't get any points changes, which are very, very good. The Ironclad saw it in lots of lists. I prefer the Frigate. I think the Frigate's amazing. Engine Riggers, Sky Wardens didn't change points either. Um, and so I think that I think the points on the Thunderers maybe is aggressive but fair, but the, the army has still got lots of play in this edition so i think if you're uh if you're a character overlords player you're probably okay rally didn't get changed that's great as well you're in a good spot lumineth realm lords lumineth realm lords are next and we are going to be going through their faq because they did get a couple and it's worth clarifying what they are we already talked about the change to helon and the shooting but they have had some clarity on protection of heesh from the spell law which is a five up ward save aura spell um, that you can find in the spell law and on tech list, both of which have been clarified. Now, what they now say is you only get the five award save if you are within the range of tech lists when you roll for the attacks. Previously, I think maybe there was a justification that you could move outside, you would cast the spell, and then those units could move outside of 18 inches and keep the five award save. Doesn't matter anymore. You have to stay wholly within 18 inches to keep 
the five up ward save the other change that they changed was to ver to enduring as rock which is a ability that you can find on stone guard or any of the stone mountain men and what this does what this did was it allowed you to ignore a rend characteristic of minus one and you would change that rend characteristic to a dash they've now changed it to unmodified rend characteristic of minus one so don't forget you modified dice rolls and you modified characteristics and those things are different so if you do add plus one rend oh sorry if you do add plus one rend via a dice roll this won't matter but if someone does modify their rend characteristic even if you modify it to minus one as being pointed out by one of my favorite youtubers in the chat age of something uh, then then you that no longer can change it to dash it's a very specific wording very specific rule it's actually a nerf to stone guard which is a bit rough but there we go we've also got points changes to lumineth realm lords there aren't loads that are worth talking about uh quite importantly the twins elania and alatha uh the eclipsian war sages are quite good they've got a 30 point reduction this might make them viable but uh, and they can't be shot outside of 12 inches uh, because they are under the wounds cap. But we're not sure right now if Elenia and Alathor are actually um, mounted because one of them is stood on top of the other, which I think is a bit weird. Um, so I think that's worth uh, like a little look. Uh, my friend JP in the chat is a big fan of those. Teclis went up 20 points, and this is pretty rough because uh, Teclis going up 20 points in an addition where everyone else can unbind your spells better is actually... Uh, way worse for Teclis. So Teclis should have got cheaper, if anything, in this GHB, and instead got more expensive, which I think is very weird. Dawn Riders going down in points is really good, especially being able to add loads of Rend onto them by Hoarfrost. I quite like that idea as well. Um, and apart from that, no other changes. But they have suffered a big nerf in this GHB because of the change to Helon, but now people are going to have to try and play with other units. Maybe people try and use uh, the um, Severith, uh, or the Hurricane Wind Spirits, both of which went down quite a lot of points. But I think uh, removing their ability to move uh, and not be charged probably means we won't see them. Amazingly, though, they have actually forgot to FAQ the Great Nation of Yometrica sub-faction. Uh, as we talked about, the FAQ uh, for the Stone Guard and other units like it uh, affects the ability Enduring as a Rock. The Yometrica uh, Alarith ability, a Mountain Realm, uh, re rechanges this back oddly um so that you can still ignore uh, a rend characteristic of minus one or minus two even if that was a modified rend one or rend two which is super fun uh, although obviously as always ask your tos locally next up we're gonna look at fire slayers and fire slayers have had a pretty important faq one of the most common lists that we would see being played is what we call the double flame keeper list so two flame keepers would use abilities that they get when friendly fire slayers are killed within range now this used to work if units so when a battleshock unit when a model runs from battleshock that model is counted as slain this would count towards the flame keeper this has changed now each time a friendly fire slayer model is slain within 12 inches of this unit as a result of attacks or abilities increase the value of the dice beside them so there's two flame keepers that normally buddy up between a big unit of 30 fire slayers would fight uh, like would rally up uh, count up their totals even on units that would run away or models that would run away and now that doesn't work uh, so you still get to keep those two guys but it's not as effective so you can still run double flame keeper just not quite as good and we also saw some flame uh, we also saw some points changes the battlesmith went up 10 points hearthguard berserkers went up 10 points 
and uh, all of the spells, uh, well, sorry, incantations went up uh, by some points as well. I don't think this is going to massively change how Fire Slayers play. And in fact, Fire Slayers got a little bit of a bonus to HP. Uh, that we all thought that they would be losing the ability to shoot their characters at range, which we saw in the last GHB. But with that change to look out, sir, these guys are going to be untargetable outside of 12 inches from shooting, making them much more effective. So Fire Slayers still looking very good in this GHB. I had Deepkin. Uh, one of the worst performing armies in the last GHB, quite interestingly. Um, I've got some really interesting units, mainly because uh, they can shoot and fight quite well as an army, but they generally tend to be very fragile. I've said this before, and I said this in uh, the shows leading up to this GHB, but it would be nice to get one extra unit out of the Ardeneth Deepkin, uh, but I don't think we're going to get that with these points changes, but there are some points changes. Uh, the Alapexes have gone down 20 points at 150 now. I think that's fairly competitively priced for what you get from them. Uh, 150 points uh, for one. It's not bad at all. Uh, Volturnus has gone down. Uh, it's pretty cheap. You would sometimes run him with an Achillean King and make them fight together. So 20 points cheaper is, is okay. The Eidolon and Mathlon aspect of the Storm down 20 points. I'd like to see that go down much more aggressively, like 50 or 60 points, uh, which we haven't seen them do. Uh, Leviadon has gone down another 30 points. Previously, it went down 50 or 60 points, something like that. So this has gone down nearly 100 points over the course of two Battle Scrolls. And we would like to have seen that going down even more. 400 points would have been great. Give this army that's quite fragile a solid rock to build its army around would have been really good. Morsar Guard had gone down another 10 points as well. I think off the back of the other Battle Scroll update, that's another massive points decrease, which I think is really interesting. Um, but again, you're not quite getting another unit in here. So I maybe would have liked to see some, especially on those key centerpieces, the aspect of the storm and the aspect of the sea, I would like to see an aggressive, an aggressive points drop on those. I think that would have been really, really effective. Um, so we haven't seen that, which is sad. The Achillean King's gone down 10 points. It's not enough. You just need a little bit more points to go down. Um, and those big pieces need a bigger points drop. There's no FAQs for this army, so hopefully you can build a big and good Deepkin army. So the first Seraphon FAQ accompanies the Battle Scroll update, and this is pretty important. I think a lot of people were going into this GHB under the assumption that Seraphon were going to be one of, if not the best, army in Age of Sigmar. Uh, specifically because of something called the Trog Bomb. Um, where you would teleport a skink oracle and then you would do some uh, aoe casting from croak and we've seen a variety of changes that mean that that won't happen and in addition we've got points changes as well so let's go through them in order uh, there's been some nice clarity with the jaw attacks uh, on various different units like saurus or croxagore and the jaw attacks happen after you attack with your melee weapons. So you attack with your melee weapons and then you attack with your jaw attacks, meaning that you can't remove models that were like, you can't attack with the attacks, remove those models and not be able to attack with your jaw attacks. So all of the jaw attack uh, units like Carnosaurs and Croxagores and Saurus are better because of this FAQ. They've FAQ'd also what happens with a Skink Oracle on Troglodon and his spell Primordial Mire. Just means that only units within range of that terrain feature or objective are going to be affected and units that move into range won't be affected as well um now onto the big changes telepathic summons was a spell that you could use to uh, to teleport a unit and teleport them directly in combat because games workshop forgot to add more than nine inches away they've clarified that now so now you have to have the when you do teleport the unit it has to be more than nine inches away from all enemy units so this is great next up lord croak uh, and also the slan. This is the key part. 
Both of these two units can no longer cast more than one spell through a skink oracle uh, or through a skink wizard, sorry, or a friendly oracle. So RIP doing the Seraphon bomb through the skink oracle. Because previously your combo would have been teleporting an oracle uh, with the spell and then doing uh, croak spell several times through it. Can't do that anymore. Can only do one spell. Um, with this now so not as good at all and people are going to have to rewrite uh their their croak lists i think this is interesting because croak also um croak is also changed in points uh but you could probably still do the same thing with the soft screen bridge then you got uh the croxagore they've had clarity on when they get plus one attack uh which or when it ends so they get plus one attack when skink units are killed that happens at the end of the phase and then Terror Wings have also had some clarity as well in when they're able to make it so that shooting units in range can't receive commands. And it happens at the start of the shooting phase, which is nice. And lastly, if we look at the points, we can see some points changes. Croak has gone up 15 points. Bit of a nominal change. Not that much of a, uh, of a change, really. Uh, Skinks have gone up a little bit. But again, those are the five-point changes. Uh, Age of Sigmar is moving towards not having anything that's got five-point increments anymore. Uh, Croxagore have gone down 50 points and Croxagore Warspawn have gone down 50 points. I think that's good because both of them pretty much suck. So going down more is good. Soros Old Blood going down 25 points is good. Staking on Chief going down 30 points is good. You want those units to go down. Agrodon Lancers going down 20 points is great as well. Uh, don't forget Agrodon Lancers also come in units to three. So now you can take them in units to six and you don't need to maintain coherency uh, or, or like the other version of coherency. You still have to take, contain normal coherency means that they're very effective as well stick it on a little bit cheaper you love to see it bacillon archisotech going down 20 points is cool as well so they've reduced a load of the stuff uh in the army uh but they have just definitely hammered croak uh, and the skink troglodon and they've said you're not doing that combo can't do that so i still think seraphon have got some real legs in this uh, matter and i think it's a very strong book I would be playing this army if it wasn't for the army I was playing. Next up, Stormcast Eternals. No FAQ for Stormcast Eternals. Instead, just a load of points drops. Everything's just gone down 10 or 20 points. The first thing to talk about, nothing went up points. So just a pure win for Stormcast Eternals. And some of the units that would see play have also gone down points as well. I'm going to shout out the Stormstrike Chariot going down 10 points. It's not a massive change or an effective change, but Stormstrike Chariot's decent, and that's pretty good as well. Um, Decimators, uh, sorry, the Annihilators with Meteoric Grand Hammers going down 20 points is pretty good as well. Like, they legitimately can do some really good damage, and they were quite expensive before. I'd like to see them go down a little bit more. Uh, Karazai won several events last GHB, and as you can see, has gone down uh, another 20 points. Krondis has gone down 30 points as well. Yunastra has gone down 20 points. That's not enough. Um, and apart from that, I would say it's generally nominal changes with either 10 or 20 points. And in most cases, you're not going to take many of those units. But Guard is going down 10 points. Pretty fun. He does have a 5 at Ward Aura, don't forget, which is pretty cool. And also, he's under the wound cap. So unless you're um, within 12 inches, you're not going to be able to shoot him which is pretty decent as well so stormcast players i'd be interested to know what your thoughts are or if any of your favorite units got a points reduction um but it's looking just the same as normal to me for stormcast eternals players next up is sylvaneth sylvaneth had a, have had an faq and importantly this is on alariel the warsong revenant and the branch witch uh, but this has been an FAQ that we know was coming because this basically involves the uh, G the new ghp and primal dice these all have spells these three units have spells which are uh, they do mortal wounds based on how what the casting role is 
effectively. Uh, and so they've just changed this now to say uh, that you cannot modify that casting role or it's not based off the, ca uh, the unmodified casting role. But you probably still can use prior you can still use primal dice to try to get the spell off. You just then can't uh, add the value of the primal dice onto uh, being able to do damage with those spells, which is good. Which is good. That's a good change. Uh, good change. Although, I don't know, letting it ride would have been quite fun. There's also been some points changes as well. Colonel Hunters with Great Swords got 30 points cheaper, so down to 220. Uh, with the coherency changes, so that the one inch range weapons that they carry can now all fight in a combat, which is nice. And then being more susceptible to be usable, like using Hoarfrost, which is decent. You might see, see you might see a lot of play from those guys now, which is fun. The Lady of Vines has gone down 40 points. I really like that. Lady of Vines has got a spell that you cast on a 7, and it's a 5-up ward aura for everyone within 5 inches. Uh, sorry, within 12 inches. Now, previously, you didn't have many pluses to cast. didn't have many re-rolls or any of those sorts of things. But now, with Primal Dice, you can just roll a crazy amount of dice, which is pretty fun. Um, and then give everyone in an AoE aura a 5-up ward save, so you could do something quite fun there as well. And it's a much cheaper uh, character. Uh, unfortunately, it's 10 wounds, so it's still targetable uh, from shooting attacks at range, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, the Branch Witch got a bit cheaper, the Spite Rider Lancers got cheaper, uh, and the Revenant Seekers got cheaper. Spite Rider Lancers are pretty good at 190. So overall, I think like the Silver Earth are in a very fun spot this ghb uh they've got some very survivable units uh they've got some good casters they've got multiple different builds and play styles so really excited to see how silver do the next one is beast of chaos beast of chaos uh in my opinion the s tab s tier book in the game uh they had some points changes uh specifically they had points changes to the ungor raiders going up 15 points and when you would see sometimes 50 to 60 ungor raiders that's a significant hit um, five to five percent ish onto a beast of chaos list in many ways, uh, which is pretty rough. Dragon Ogres went down 15 points, are still rubbish. Uh, most of the other things got five point changes. The beast of chaos chaos spawn went up 15 points, however, this doesn't affect Morgite chaos spawn, uh, which is an, a different war scroll entry, um, meaning that the spawn spam. That we saw previously in the last GHB, where we'd see lots of Morgite Chaos Spawn taken, loads like 20, uh, is still a viable option in this GHB, which is quite interesting. Uh, but they instead changed the regular Chaos Spawn, which is weird. I don't really know why. Um, and then the Dragon Ogre Shagoth got down, went down five points, so it's still only about 100 points more expensive than it needs to be. So Beast of Chaos, my opinion, still the S-tier book. they got some uh, FAQs, uh, just about two different abilities, one on a Great Brave Shaman and one uh, with uh, Bestial Cunning, uh, which is a command trait, all of which can be used off-board. Uh, go Beasts. So uh, after the FAQ we saw for Murderlust for Corn, which we covered earlier, uh, we've got some points changes for Corn as well. There are no other FAQs. Some of them are just some pretty minor points changes, plus or minus 10 points. Uh, the Bloodthirst of Incensor Rage came down 20 points, which is kind of okay. Uh, you like to see it. And then some of the units you would see a lot, Rumgore Ritualist, up 10 points. But again, that's like almost nothing. And then anyone that was taking a lot of Mighty Skull Crushers, they're up 10 points. But even if you were to take three units of six, uh, your list has only gone up 60 points. 
so it's not massively effective. Uh, so I think uh, I think the points changes here feel fairly nominal. The blood tide change is going to be the important part for Corn. Also, they are an army that's about to walk into an edition where lots of people are going to try and cast spells and they get blood tithe and can farm blood tithe really well from that. So I think Corn are in a really great place. Next up is Disciples of Zinch. And there's two FAQs we should talk about before we look at the points. The first one involves either a Lord of Change or Kairos and the Master of Magic ability you can find on their War Scroll. It says, does a changing a dice roll with Master of Magic, which is where you change the lowest dice on a dice roll to cast a spell, unbind a spell, or dispel a spell, and you roll it to, uh, you change it to match the highest. So if I roll a six and a one, I would change the one into a six. Perfect. Right, does it count as a modifier? No, it doesn't count as a modifier. So I can add primal dice on top of it, which is fun. Um, also, a really little fun piece of engaging tech you can do is if you do happen to roll a six and a one, that means you would end up with a double six. That means the next spell that you cast with a primal dice will mean that it's unbindable. Uh, so you can add a primal dice and then therefore it will be unbindable. So your opponent won't be able to stop you. Uh, however, you then can't cast any more spells. So use at your own risk, but interesting. I would say that wizards aren't as good now or dedicated wizards like a lord of change specifically because other people have more primal dice or unbind dice or dispel dice to ruin your spells but that's a nice little trick i guess if you're running lords of change so that's good uh, and then there's another one for masters of destiny this involves destiny dice um, and this says change the fourth sentence the second paragraph of the rule to any roles that have been replaced count as unmodified roles and cannot be re-rolled changed or modified unless noted otherwise what this means is uh, is that you can't select something with destiny dice and then add primal dice on top of it uh, is what it means effectively that's what we're discussing there um, and so that's what they put that out for. Now, they have done some point changes as well. They're all pretty nothing. Uh, Exotic Flamers and, uh, and Flamers of Zinch are a terrible war scroll. Um, and they a terrible war scroll and they were overcosted. Now they just cost a little less and are still terrible. Pink Horrors of Zinch went up 10 points, which is super fine. They still do exactly the same job in the army at 260 that they did at 250. The changing went down 20 points, but you're never going to take it. The Faint Schemer, Herald of Zinch on Burning Chariot is so bad, you would never take it. And Burning Sigil of Zinch, which you would take, has gone up 10 points. So it's arguable whether or not Zinch are better in this GHB, casting more spells, having more primal dice. Maybe your opponent is casting more spells, which means you'll generate more fate points. Um, the Lord of Change went down 20 points. That isn't really that much. He's still several, at least, at least over 100 points more expensive, than a, or 75 points or something, more than a slan um 95 points in fact so like it, it like we saw disciples inch do incredibly well in the last ghb and now this is a magic focused ghb and the points haven't really changed so the prevailing theory is probably that they're still going to be good interesting to see if that ends up working out that way can't wait to find out next up he knights of Sinesh. Oh boy. Oh boy. They've had uh, some interesting little changes. They have had an FAQ, uh, specifically to the spell Phantasmagoria, which is just change it to being a 3 plus. Doesn't need much explanation. And then the Temptations of Sinesh, where you uh, make your opponent choose between mortal wounds and depravity, has been FAQ'd uh, because some people were doing what we call slow rolling. Uh, so they were rolling to make it so that they could affect uh, getting depravity, therefore changing whether or not they got a ward at a certain point 
during a, 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 a like a, a sequence effectively this has been faq'd out that it happens at the end so you can't do that i don't know why you would do that anyway but that's what was happening uh, as for points basically there was a list i could read it off to you by heart it was some baseball archers it was a contorted epitome uh with the crown of dark secrets um and then it was either five or ten slick blade seekers and then it was one unit of Bliss Barb Seekers. All of those units I previously mentioned have all gone up points. Um, Bliss Barb Archer has gone up 10, which is pretty rough for the people that are running 80. But 80 is still only 80 points difference. It's not actually that massive uh, an increase. Also not as big as the Uncle Raider increase. No, not just saying. Uh, the Contour Epitome uh, went up 20. Uh, and then the Bliss Barb Seekers went up 10, the Slick Blade Seekers then went up 10. But everything else came down points. So they clearly understand that the other people, people aren't taking the other units. So what they're trying to do is address how uh, the internal balance of the book. But the points reductions on some of those others have been so low that are probably you're not going to affect much. Uh, you've got Sinessa and Dexessa, the, the are terrible units that have gone down 30 points. Shalaxi isn't great either and has gone down 30 points as well. Uh, again, it's a melee character that's around the price of a Frostal and Stonehorn. I know it's not identical, but the Frostal and Stonehorn will kick its ass all day every day. Uh, so, like, why are they the same points cost? Drop this down. Um, uh, like... Uh, so yeah, like, and then they've dropped the chariots. So it's an interesting army because of the way Sinesh works. What it wants to do is it wants to generate slots to depravity. And it wants to do it early because its depravity helps it with survivability and it also helps it with its output. But most importantly, it's survivability. So it's what we call a, um, it's like a snowball army. So it wants to have very effective turn ones. And its list that did that, which was all the shooting to clear the screens and then the slick blade seekers charging in to do damage and then generate a lot of depravity, has all gone up points. So maybe it's time to readjust how uh, you build those lists. But how you build the list is still going to work into the fact that it's an army that wants to snowball. So Games Workshop needs to understand that to, to orientate those points. Be an interesting time for Slaves to Darkness have got some amazing changes legitimate amazing changes we start off with one right at the top chaos chariot chaos chariot is 80 points went down 20 points absolutely massive a 20 percent decrease on a single unit and you can take multiples of them like and they are really good they do loads of mortal wounds when they charge in and do impact hits there's already definitely a chariot list market nurgle so it's minus one to be wounded and you just have like a roadblock that also does damage it getting 20 points cheaper is bananas uh, in my personal opinion. Um, okay, so other big winners. The best unit in the game, hands down, is Bellacor, the Dark Master. No other unit in the game, apart from Teclis, obviously, uh, can shut down units as well as Bellacor can. Uh, and Bellacor got cheaper by 15 points. So super units, beware. Bellacor is going to shut you down. Um, and now is cheaper. Absolutely excellent for 340 points. So it's a two-cast wizard like a Lord Change, but it's 50 points cheaper um, and also has got an unrendable armor save, uh, a minus one to wound spell. Just great. Absolutely great. Get a Bellacore if you get the opportunity to. Chaos Lord and Lord on Manticore getting cheaper is pretty decent. Same with the Chaos Lord on Manticore as well. 30 and 25 points down. Um, uh, so you really like to see that. Uh, Mutileth Vortex Beast, all, all my MVB bros, Mutileth Vortex Beast bros, uh, down 25 points, it's kind of okay, um, you stick them near, wizard, near wizards and you've got a magical gun line which is quite fun, um, doesn't really compete still obviously with Chosen, 
uh, or anything like that. And that's the big winner from this list as well. If you look Slaves of Darkness, we haven't seen Chosen, Knights, or Warriors, all of which are the most picked units, or Varangard, sorry, all of which are the most picked units in this book go up points. And if I was a Slaves of Darkness player, I would be breathing a heavy sigh of relief. All of the units that make my book good are not more expensive, and then all of the other units are for some reason cheaper. So I don't have to change my list in any way, shape, or form. Um, and then I'm going into a GHP where people want to do a lot more wounds, but I've got Chaos Rune Shields and loads of my units that ignore mortal wounds, which is great. So if I was a Slaves of Darkness player, I'd be very happy with this, mainly because nothing has changed, apart from Bellicor's cheaper, which is great. But please take loads of chariots. That's the best list. So Skaven. Skaven have had some points changes, but no FAQs. The biggest change to Skaven is going to be in the shape of an endless spell called Lagwan the Soul Seeker, or as we know it, the Bringy Dingy. The Bringy Dingy has had a rules change in this uh, GHB so that no longer units that over nine wounds can't get inside of the boat, which means, unfortunately, that uh, you cannot put the big rat himself uh, in the boat. So that means, that, which was the, 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 the build, that was a build for Skaven. That rat, of course, being Thanquol. Thanquol used to get out of a boat and do a load of damage. You can no longer do that, uh, and therefore Skaven Army is much worse uh, for no particular reason. Uh, they hate Thanquol, really. He was the only person that would ever take that spell, and it was in every single Skaven list. Now, they have dropped points on everything to encourage you to take other stuff in this list, though. Uh, the Vermilor Warbringer is a great unit because it's got three versions of Fight on Death, which is very cool. Deceiver's gone down points, and the Corruptor have gone down points as well, uh, all of whom are good uh, casters and also, in addition, fairly good fighters in combat. Um, the Grace Hero Screamer Bell has also gone down points as well, which is fun, and the Bombardier's also gone down points. Um... But none of these are going to have like a like economies of scale effect on how Skaven play. Skaven are pretty much a mid-board army, meaning that they don't have loads of very fighting units like you would see, let's say, with Iron Jaws, running over into the enemy army and fighting them. Similarly, they don't make a particularly good castle uh, because they tend to have clan rats as their screening units. They have a lot of them but they're not particularly good. And they're definitely nowhere near as fighty or as useful as stabbers in goblins. So they're just a meat wall and it, they do nothing useful. Um, and then even if you were building a castle, you don't have the magical gun line like you might have with Zinch, or you don't have the shooting castle gun line that you would have with, let's say, Lumineth at the backboard. And finally, they're monstrous characters, while decent, the Warbringer uh, particularly, and the Deceiver, they still don't really match the aggressive forward momentum that you would get on something like a Stonehorn. So they have all of the elements that the other armies have, but they don't have a unified playstyle. They don't play in one way or in the other way. And these points reductions aren't overly going to change that. Now, they might be able to manipulate the dice using uh, the Warpstone stuff um, more in the new GHB, especially with the spells. Um, but I don't think enough has changed for these guys. And they've had maybe the biggest change for them in that Thankhall is not going to be effective. So we're, I'm excited to see how this works. But the idea of using loads of dice to blow your brain up on your rat to do 46 mortal wounds feels very scaven so maybe we'll just see them do a lot of that but that won't win you events but it will be really fun and that is actually super important nurgle next and some significant changes specifically for the glockin it's gone down 50 points from 650 to 600 this is after a very aggressive points change last battle scroll as well i would have liked to have seen that be even more aggressive maybe put in between around the 500 point mark uh 500 
550, but probably more around the 500 point mark. That would have been more. Uh, that would have been something that would have encouraged the Glockin more on the tabletop, and I'd love to have seen that. Uh, Blood went up 10 points, and loads of the other characters went down 20 or 30. But they went down 30 points on what was already a very expensive points cost. Great and clean one was 480, is now 450. Um, and Morbid X was 320, now 300. This is going into a meta where a lot of armies now just have a 5-up ward save. And uh, we've seen post um, the Nurgle book release that that ward save also isn't as effective as um, Rally. Uh, because you can mitigate damage, but it seems much easier to just bring a ton of damage back. Uh, which is what Rally has been doing so successfully well. Not including things like Soulblight Gravelords, which obviously be able to recur units really effectively as well. Gits is another good example of being able to do that. So, um, But some interesting news, the Puskal Blight Lords have gone down 10 points. And you love to see that because maybe fly spam is back, which is all we've all, which is all we've ever wanted. Uh, Gut rot spume uh, also down ten points, but importantly, horticulate slimax down twenty points. Do you want to run loads of beasts and Nurgle again? Let's hope you do. That's Nurgle. Flesh eater courts are next. Uh, the big news, obviously, is Nagash has gone down sixty-five points, but on an incredibly expensive model like Nagash, nine hundred nine hundred sixty-five is basically the same. Uh, the Royal Zombie Dragon and the Royal Terror Geist, the unridden versions, have both gone down points, but they won't see much play. The way that army works is stacking multiple plus attacks from the Crypt Gas Courtier, um, or the Infernal Courtier, whichever one it is, uh, plus additional attacks uh, on things like Flares or Ghouls, uh, and then making them fight twice. Those economies of scale are never going to work on something like a Terror Geist, so they're not going to use it. Nagash in the list is interesting, uh, but probably won't see tons of play. Um, and yeah, I mean, the new book's coming out for this, so we're just waiting for the new book for Flesh Eater Courts at the moment. Next up, the Spooky Boys, the Night Haunt guys. Okay, so they haven't changed some of the points on units they changed last time. Uh, Age of Something pointed out in the chat that Hexwraith and Haradins got a big points increase last Battle Scroll update, and they haven't been retconned in this one. They normally play with large bricks of infantry, and that. Uh, will change now because you no longer have access to being able to fight in two ranks thanks to the Galician veterans um, battalion that was in the last GHB. This means that units of 20 or 30 of the ghosts aren't anywhere near as effective because they can't fight in two ranks, which is why it definitely should always be changed to 11, the coherency. Um, this means that some units aren't going to be anywhere near as effective. But there's also the Horfrost spell, which when you do have a lot of attacks on something like Haradins, being able to be at Ren 3 and ignore wards feels really positive. And the point changes are trying to reflect the fact that you can take loads of different units, but most of the point changes are just everything comes down 10 or 20 points. Maybe when it all adds up, you end up with one more unit of ghosts in your list, but the Nighthaunt weren't necessarily setting the world on fire in the win rates. They were pretty much around the mid to low end of the win rates, uh, between 45 and 50% in the last GHB. Not sure there's tons in this current GHP that's going to change that. The only thing is that their characters can't be shot, but their characters can't wouldn't have been shot in the previous GHP. So it's quite an interesting place, but their main characters, the ones that definitely are false mortal players, especially Lady Alinda, have gone down points. So hopefully we'll see more Nighthaunt on the table. Uh, more objectives on the board as well, this GHP. That feels like it's really effective. Uh, retreating charge is always really good, um, but Nighthaunt, I think... In an interesting place, um, and I'm not sure the point changes will have done much to affect that. To round out our spooky boys, uh, we have the OCR Bone Reapers, and they've had some rules changes as well as some points changes. The first one is to the Command Trait Dark Acolyte, which basically allows you to cast a spell that cannot be unbound. 
Previously, you would have been able to have done this on the new spells from the GHB, but this has been changed to it can only be the Law of Ocean Sorcery. So the spell law that you get for the OCR Bone Reapers. This is uh, a nice, good change, because uh, this means that you don't have to, like, just suffer a 46 mortal wound spell you can't do anything about. Uh, the Law of Ocean Sorcery Soul Release spell, so this is a spell from the spell law. It's cast on a 5 and range of 12 inches. Previously, uh, it could be affected by modifying how large a range it was. And what it does is it stops summoning and also uh, teleporting units from being set up within 12 inches. With Arcan, previously, you would have been able to set that up, make, make that be 18-inch range. So you wouldn't be able to summon or um, deep strike any units within 18 inches. This has been changed quite sensibly to still being 12 inches, uh, which means it's effective in doing what it does, which means units can't deep strike the army, but it doesn't change, break the game, which I think is healthy. Uh, if we go over onto points, we can see OCR Bone Reapers have had some pretty aggressive points changes. Uh, Catacross and the Motusum Bone Mortisan Bone Shaper both went up 20 points. Both of them would normally see, make it into a list, so that's already a 40% uh, 40 point increase on those uh, on those units. Cavalos Death Riders went up 10 points, and if you were taking multiples of those, they're a very expensive cavalry unit now, going up to 180 points uh, for five. Uh, so 10 points is pretty aggressive, and there wasn't many people running lots of Cavalos Death Riders. Uh, Harbingers did come down points though. Morgast Harbingers and Morgast Archai went from 240 to 220. Might see more play, but they don't generally tend to interact with the most of the rest of the army in the same way that things like Immortus Guard that went up 20 points did. You can heal a lot of Immortus Guard using things like the Bone Shaper and the Mortark of Necropolis, uh, Catacross. And so putting those up points is pretty good because you could bring so many back and they're already very tough to kill. The Harbingers of the Archai don't really integrate with the army as well as that. Uh, and then we've saw we've seen the the Gothazar Harvest come down 30 points, which is honestly a massive shame. The Harvester got a massive nerf and FAQ in the last Battle Scroll update, or in fact, just in the OCR Bone Reapers update. Uh, and that threw the internal balance of the book off aggressively. Uh, because now Immortal, uh, Mortec Guard just aren't anywhere near as good. Because Mortec Guard and the Harvester are kind of quintessentially parts of each other. They work in unison. Um, and then they were written as such. So m nerfing the Harvester as aggressively as they did meant that the Immortus Guard are just much worse. So now you've thrown the balance off and you can only really go and play into the bigger units like Immort uh, Immortus Guard and Stalkers. You're not going to move into Harbingers and Archai because those units don't integrate well with the rest of how the army works. So you're left with just a Mortis Guard that are more expensive, Archai that have gone, uh, a Mortis Guard that are more expensive, Stalkers that remain the same, and then finally a Catapult, uh, so the Mortec Crawler, which is really bad and doesn't do enough damage. So uh, Ojapon Reapers took a bit of a kick in all around here, which I think is a bit tough, but maybe they'll still do really well, who knows. Uh, they do have a sub-faction that lets them ignore all spells on the 2+, but are they really going to trade that for the ability to either have exploding skeletons or the ability uh, to uh, charge in their opponent's face? We'll see. So one of the uh, most comprehensively successful armies in the last GHB were the Soulblight Gravelords, doing some incredible stuff, and we have had points changes to eradicate and affect that. Uh, some of the We already talked about the FAQs that have changed, uh, which is quite interesting, and that's already... Uh, going to affect how they play on the tabletop but we've seen lots of other units get points changes now the corpse cart has gone up 10 points which isn't much to talk about other than dead walker zombies have also gone up five 
Um, and so that's quite a few points added on to the zombies and uh, corpse cart combo. Um, but not tons, right? Like not tons and tons. Graveguard have gone up points and for how much you would see them, that seems fair. 150 points compared to 140 points. Uh, you would see them so much that it feels like that they must be too good, uh, effectively. The Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon went up 20 points, which on its 440 points base cost isn't particularly much, so I think that's fine. And Neferata amazingly only going up 10 points is honestly a vibe if you have already painted that model. That's excellent, in my personal opinion. Um, Belladama went up 30 points, which is honestly crazy. Still good, still really viable, but that's a significant change. It's amazing that Belladama's had a more significant points change than other units that we've seen so consistently do so well in other armies. That's really crazy. Uh, the Blood, uh, the Common Throne came down 15 points. The Bloodseeker Palaquin came down 40 points, but that's not overly a big deal. The Mortis Engine came down 20 points, so the dream of running four Mortis Engines is still alive. The big hit, Death Rattle Skeletons, went up 15 points, meaning a reinforced unit is now going to cost, or double reinforced unit, is going to cost 300 points, which is a lot for a unit that just stands there and doesn't die. Um, and it doesn't even overly not die that well, but that's a lot of points for those skeletons, which feels a bit aggressive. And then finally, Torgillis the Chamberlain, going up 25 points, seems... Uh, really fair when he has a five up ward save aura that he's obviously going to give out to things like zombies and direwolves um, so overall i think some okay and fair changes and nothing aggressive the thing that made me really sad is black knights going up 20 points they probably always should have been 130 points the dream of running that many black knights or units of five black knights at 110 points was something that i kept alive in the last ghb but this ghb they've just got no chance uh, at 130 points each. Uh, go and trade all of your Black Knights for Chaos Slaves of Darkness Chariots. Onto the Gloomspike Gits. Again, a very successful army from the last GHB. We have had some FAQs. Specifically, these are orientated around Primal Daiso. We've seen uh, that Scragrot spell, both the Lore of the Moonclans Nicky Nicky and Scragrot spell, work on unmodified casting rolls. Don't forget, if you add a Primal Dice to it, they will, when you cast those spells, they are going to count as modified, so you can't do it. So you won't be able to do that uh, or use them for the result, basically. Uh, so that's worth talking about. And the other, th the other change that they've made is to a squig boss with Nasher Squig. Previously, if you had two, you could move a unit of Squig Herd and then move it again using their abilities. Uh, but now it, you can only move a Squig Herd unit if it hasn't already made a normal move. So that's worth that's worth knowing. So you can't do that anymore. And then as for points changes, they've just been pretty aggressive across the board as well um moon clan shooters and stabbers have pretty much remained the same but squig hoppers have gone up 10 points and don't forget we've now seen uh, a couple of changes to how uh, squigs will work as well uh green crack the great has gone up 30 points for fight on death in this army seems fair and justified but 220 points for a real small character is pretty crazy uh the shaman's up the trog boss is up um uh, Scragrot has gone up another 20 points after an aggressive points increase last time and he's got an amazing war scroll and he's definitely still worth the 230 points he's he costs I just think when he was already such a bargain when the book first came out that's going to make people feel quite bad but still an incredible unit at 230 points much better than the Lord of Change who's 150 points more expensive uh, the Boingrot Bounders went up, and then all the Trogs just went up 10 points, which feels really, really unnecessary, because at best they were a 4-1 army, not a 5-0 army. Uh, and then we've seen the, the support pieces, like the Sneaky Snufflers and the Gobber Bluesers, gone up 10 points as well. So a very small incremental change. Now, 
If you are a bit of a creepy weirdo though, and you like wearing spiders on your head, then the spider fang stuff has got cheaper. Arachnorock with flinger is cheaper, but you should just fling that in the bin. Arachnorock with war party has got cheaper as well. That's not bad. Uh, that's not good either. But the skit strand Arachnorock has got cheaper. Um, and that's actually quite interesting. It can deep strike and then come back off the board. And the web spinner shaman on Arachnorock spider has also got cheaper as well. So if you are a spider bro, spiders are cheaper, spiders are better. Ogres, meaty, hungry, manly. Ogres, beef, primal. Ogres. <laughs> Ogres have had like no changes that really we're talking about. Uh, the Frostworm Stone all went up 10 points, but is incredible for 460 points. Wins games. Literally the only worst war scroll in the army we're talking about. And the other one that's also worth talking about is Stonehorn Beast Riders, which went up 20 points. So if you end, did end up taking three of those and a Frostworm Stone on, which you did all the time, then your army is now. 70 points more expensive which is a shame because then you can't take the pretty much useless wizard that you had in your army um everything else went down cheaper i got uh, went down 30 points which is great to see uh they're still 240 points uh putting them on par with chosen only chosen have the ability to have a better armor save uh they also can be minus one to wound or get plus one attacks multiple different buffs that you can apply to chosen um so i got are just worse in every way uh, lead bolts has run down 10 points. No one cares. Many is are terrible and still got cheaper and it's still terrible. Uh, scrap launcher is awful. Went down 10 points. Gluttons went down 20 points. Now, if they go down another 40 points, now we're talking. Okay, 200 points for six gluttons and you're in their world. Now, don't forget, gluttons have got a little bit better because obviously now you can, you can string them out uh, and you can have them in a line. Where previously, you could, I mean, they could attack in two ranks anyway, so it's fine. So... They got 20 points cheaper. Like, that's your battle line unit. Gluttons are your battle line unit. They have a 5-up armor save. They should have just been given a 4-up armor save. Keep them at 260. Give them a 4-up armor save. That's the way to play gluttons. Primal. But they, they're going to eat a lot. So they're very primal, which is great. You love to see it. Have they got spells worth casting? Maybe with some primal dice. Maybe you'll throw a fire belly in there now. Because uh, of his, uh, his good spells. Like the AoE uh, spell. It's pretty good. Uh, but I don't see uh, this change in how the list plays. It's just going to be Stonehorns and Monster Trucks. The Uruk Warclans. Now, they ended up not doing too great uh, at the end. and, and uh, Sorry, at the end of the last GHB. And it's worth remembering, because Games Workshop seems to have forgot, there are actually three Uruk Warclans. There's Cruel Boys, Iron Jaws, and Bone Splitters. Although you will have not thought that, looking at the points reductions not affecting Bone Splitters at all. Uh, but we have got some points changes for... Um, the Uruk War Clans, and they're quite interesting. Brutes went down ten points. Brutes are pretty good in this edition. There's lots of uh, there's lots of battle plans uh, with lots of objectives, and obviously they affect a, the opponent's ability to score on them. So going down cheaper is okay, I guess. Um, Gobsprite getting even cheaper in a meta where he wants to try and unbind a load of spells is really good. Killer Boss and Corpse Vulture going down 20 points is also crazy good. Uh, these are units and war scrolls that just aren't very good, but now their quality is they aren't very good, but they're cheap, uh, which does make them much, much better. Uh, Swamp Boss Scrumdrek has gone down 10 points as well, uh, but the probably the things that are most important is Mega Boss and War Crusher went down 30 points to 450, um, which is quite interesting. Uh, it's quite a fighty unit. Um, and just 30 points reduction isn't loads on quite an expensive piece already, but there you go. Um, uh, and then the Brutes, as I talked about. Now, the BCQ of Killbow going down 20 points, so it's only 80 points, is real interesting. 
uh, is real interesting uh, because then you can have four of those because they're artillery pieces. But all of these changes, again, are bonuses to Big War. Uh, because if you would like to run a big war, you could put the beast cubo in the big war. So every points reduction or improvement to the other two factions are making the big war a better faction in many ways, which is quite interesting to see. But ultimately, this is just uh, uh, with excluding the Iron Jaw stuff, Godrak got cheaper as well. Um, excluding the Iron Jaw stuff, the Cruel Boy stuff, as I've talked about previously, is just a race to the bottom. And you don't want that. What you want actually is a points change. For instance, you want Gut Rippers to get a four up armor save. You don't want them to get any cheaper. That's the goal that you want with this army. And I'm going to dive straight into Sons of Behemoth, where we just got a load of points reductions. Man Crusher Mob went down 30, and then the King Broad went down 30. Kraken Eater went down 10, uh, and the Beast Smasher and the Gatebreaker both went down 20. Um, this is fine. Uh, as I said before, the Sons of Behemoth are the highest positive win rate potential that you can see uh in the game so like if you do want a new or starter army or an army that you can play while absolutely blackout drunk uh or if you would like to go to an event and do uh, a bit of a queen's gambit and play the same like play several different games of age sigma at the same time you could do this i think you could play at a tournament up to six games with Sons of Behemoth. Just move your dudes onto the circles, roll your save dice on each table. Just ask your opponent to roll your save dice. Then each of your turns, keep them on the circles, move back. You'll be fine. Um, there we go. Right, so that's everything. That's everything. That's everything from this uh, Battle Scroll update. And there's been some significant changes. Look out to Coherency, obviously the standout ones. Arcane Tome, also important. But on an individual case-by-case -case basis, some of these armies have changed fairly drastically, whether or not it's points or FAQ stuff, and much of it seems to have stayed the same. But with the new GHB, new battle plans, new battle tactics, the game will be in a constant state of flux over the next few months. And I'm going to make lots of videos, and hopefully you enjoy them, um, uh, and you can follow obviously along on YouTube. It's also a podcast. If you want to listen to a podcast, and all of these videos are produced and help being produced by everyone on uh, the Honest Wargamer Patreon. So if you have enjoyed this, uh, it's taken several hours to record, then please do support the show by joining Patreon. That would be awesome, and I'd super appreciate it. Final part I want to know what you think. Comments below are, I read them all. I get to find out what you're going to say, how you feel about these different armies how you feel about the changes, this is your chance to vent, or tell me about combos that have sneakily been hidden from this. I think it'll be really interesting um, if you get the chance. So please do uh, let me know, and thanks for listening and being honest. Okay,